What you don't want to do is make up the rules while it happens. Don't assume everyone's going to comply because humans just don't comply. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where for just a few minutes of your day, we provide insights and ideas for keeping safe your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, SVP of Strategic Sales at Alert Media. And today's guest is Pam Perry, who's founder and CEO of HR Equity. If she weren't sworn to secrecy, she could write some pretty entertaining books about her work experiences. So, Pam, I really appreciate you being here. How are you today? Oh, thanks, Peter. Appreciate the introduction. I'm doing great. Um, surviving this interesting world that we live in. It's an adventure every day. So stay positive. It will end. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's definitely hope so. It's uh, pretty crazy out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And our topic today is about easing employee anxiety during the pandemic. And while I'm anxious to get to it, uh, before we begin, could you tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are, your background, and what your team at HR Equity focuses on, especially these days with the, the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, as you can imagine, um, we are an HR consulting firm. So we work a lot with small to mid-sized companies. We help them to kind of navigate their people strategies. And with COVID, that's been very, very busy for us to try to help them understand how to communicate with employees how to manage employees differently through the remote situation. Um, and so a lot of companies have used our assistance in just re-navigating their processes, their procedures, and their communication styles, and uh, we're here to help. Oh, wonderful. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump in. I I'd like to start just by discussing the causes of employee anxiety. And I read an article recently, it essentially stated it was the CDC, and they found that I think it was a little over 40% of Americans are reporting some kind of symptoms of anxiety or depression or either other forms of mental illness as this is going on. So what do you think are the main factors that are driving all that? Well, I think we've all read um, many of these articles, but I think we all know that when it comes to change, especially change that has imparted a, upon us without any type of warning, um, that alone creates its own levels of anxiety. And on top of COVID, which we have no end in sight, um, the rules were changing every single day from what does my work look like to what does my home, look, home life look like? You know, how am I going to get through each day? And then worried about your family's health, your, your health, um, with guidelines changing every day. That anxiety has just been tremendous for people, right? And I do give lots of accolades to employers for being really flexible during this time and helping people kind of navigate that unknown. But I think as this becomes a longer and longer drawn out process, those signs of anxiety and depression are really creeping in, right? We, we don't know when it's going to end. And as much as we'd all like to have the crystal ball to tell us exactly what's going to happen next, there, there's just no way of knowing if you're going to be the next spike in the, in the, in the COVID activities or not. Um, I do think that people have become weary. I think that mm -hmm. because of the remote work, um, we went through kind of a spike where everyone got, it was fun, it was different, we get adjusted, but now it's, I'm working all the time. There, there's no distractions. You've got people who are trying to balance their uh, personal home life. They might not have very much space in their work environment. They've got kids who aren't going to school. So you have parents trying to navigate the school systems. 
and setting up, you know, academic environments at home. And then you've got employers who are realizing that they have to manage people remotely and they have to adjust the way that they have work expectations for these employees. And so all of that is coming with significant change every single month, right? And and we as humans, we don't do well with a lot of change. You know, I, I work in the HR world and help companies really think through change management. And, and if we do it well, we're, we're much better at getting on the other side of it. But something like COVID has just created so many unknowns for people that that, that anxiety and depression and concern of when it's going to end is just, it's just constantly prevalent in their everyday lives. Yeah, I think you're right. It's the, the unknown factor. Totally get that. I saw that coming. But as far as you said something really interesting, which was weariness, which, mm-hmm. duh, I totally get it. <laughs> I think I'm very weary of, of being stuck in my house this long. But man, that can really have a debilitating effect on people. Absolutely. Um, and I think the fact that you know you can get depressed by not having diversity in your life, by not having family around you, by not having your normal activities that created a sense of normalcy and predictability in your life, you can't go to the gym um, you can't see your friends. And in, even when you can, it's with a mask. And I think many of us have tried it and it doesn't feel the same. You can't connect the same. same. Can I hug someone? Can I not hug someone? Um, I have to go home and then worry for 14 days if, yeah. if I'm going to get it. So even when we get the opportunity to interact with humans, I mean, let's face it, humans need interaction. That is, that is who we are as a species. Um, when we're not able to do that and we're not able to connect at the same levels, there, there's just basically chemical reactions that don't start to happen the way they used to. Our endorphins are not the same. And I think that that idea of just the way we interact with people socially, even though it's limited, like you said, with the mask on, I've noticed that you're in the grocery store, you almost bump into someone with a cart. You don't necessarily say something, but you kind of, you know, you open your eyes, you smile, whatever it is, all that's gone. And that can cause anxiety in people like, whoa, wait a minute. Are they seeing that I didn't mean to do that? (laughs) I wasn't trying to kill them with my cart. (laughs) Right. And let's face it. We're not all great at reading body language to begin with. And now we don't even have the smile that you can see. And we don't have, you know, if you read people's eyes, great. But even that's really hard for people to do, right? So we don't have any type of communication signals that we rely on, which is smiling or just the whole facial expression. And you're having half of that cut off. It's just the lack of connection creates incredible anxiety for people. All right. Well, I think like one of the biggest factors that can make employees anxious is just this whole idea of actually going back to work and the reopening process for companies that are deciding to bring some employees back to the workplace. So with that in mind, what would be just looking at all the companies you work with, what's your number one piece of advice for companies that are looking to reopen soon? I think the ones that have done the best job at reopening are have, have done a couple of really good things very well. They took the time to put together a cohort of workers to put together a detailed return to work plan. Uh, the people that really thought through their, their reopening plan, what are the policies that we're going to be willing to administer in this new work environment? How do we want the employees to feel when they come to work? Following OSHA and CDC guidelines, they have some great uh, resources out there that you can check all the boxes to make sure you've thought about it from the day they, the time that they entered the building to going up the building to making sure you're, you're logging the activities of people coming into your workplace. What does that workplace look like? Those are the ones who are having the most success of making people feel safe coming back into the workplace. 
without a detailed plan, employees are going to have more anxiety because they don't understand the rules. They don't understand what you've been doing on the back end. How much cleaning are you doing? How are you disinfecting? Um, they won't understand why there's no coffee. Like let's outline that specifically, <laughs> you know, some companies are not providing snacks at all. Others only do it in sealed packages. So the ones who've given a really thoughtful approach to their current employee experience and how that's going to translate in reopening have really gotten the best results. And at the end of the day, when they do not require employees to come back and they make it volunteer for first phase, that also tends to be a very good success factor. So for the ones who don't have a good homework environment or who have kids who are there full time and they need a break. So the volunteers coming first kind of set the path way to success um, versus trying to mandate that a third of your workforce come back, right? That doesn't tend to go as well as the volunteering process does. And then people start to talk about that experience. And then that, that does breed more people willing to come back because they are able to communicate that, hey, I feel safe. I feel like the employer has done a good job. I understand what the rules are. Well, since the, the planning process is so important, the do's are probably not terribly obvious, but more obvious than the don'ts. Like, have you seen right. any big swings and misses that people have, have taken? Like, ooh, that, that was not good. We shouldn't have done that. Yeah, no, I, I haven't seen major misses because I think people are still being incredibly cautious. Mm. I think the biggest misses are mandating the people to return to work without understanding the personal situation. So if people have immune compromised people at home, right? And really surveying their employees around what are the conditions that you are facing if you were to return to work. That's been the biggest miss. They didn't survey people. They don't know what people are dealing with at home. They just did a blanket statement. Everybody from A to Z is, you know, and these cubicles are coming back first. That, that, that has been a major failure, right? The second major failure would be really about mandating. The, the employers that mandate, except let's face it, the ones that they have to have people there to do right. the work, right? So if you are a restaurant, if you are a retail environment where you can't, you have to have people back to work. But even in those cases, the ones who have surveyed and gotten volunteers do better than ones who just mandate schedules. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think that is the biggest miss is when people get in a hurry to return and then they start making a, a basically a, an edict that you have to return. Those don't go well. So it sounds like just avoid the mandates when, when possible and then be very flexible on the other end. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, planning is great and you can plan to the nines, but what about employee compliance? <laughs> What's the best way for employers to encourage people to be compliant with wearing masks and doing all the things they're supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, we're humans, right? We, 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 we can see in the news how much people are refusing to follow certain protocols. Um, and I think an employer, is, you know, as you do your planning, you come up with what are the rules of engagement. And if you don't comply with those rules of engagement, what is the action that we're going to take as an employer? Mm. Again, putting that up front, is, is the action going to be a first-time offense? You're going to get written up if you're reported? Um, or are we going to take a, a zero zero non-compliance view of it, right? right? And you could be terminated. I think what you don't want to do is make up the rules while it happens. Don't assume everyone's going to comply because humans just don't comply. They're, <laughs> they just don't. Yep. We've seen this already just in the, in the world that we live in. Um, but if you, if you put out to the employees, this is exactly what's going to happen. These are the conditions of which your employment will be considered valid. Mm. And if you don't comply with these particular rules, then you will be terminated. And I think the ones who make that very clear 
don't have as much of a compliance issue. When they leave it ambiguous, well, you know, yeah, you got to wear PPE, but when they come on site, everyone's taking the PPE off and no one really does anything about it. Then you have one person who feels highly compromised and then you've got the rest that aren't in compliance. That's when it fails, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think some people have even had safety monitors that are on site to kind of walk around and make sure that things are in compliance when the office is open. Those are the ones that are going well. The ones who aren't going to um, adhere to the policies are the ones that are having these breakdowns and then they're having upset employees. And then what happens is people stop coming to the office. Okay. So in general, just be firm, be clear about what the rules are, but have some compassion to be flexible too, to a certain extent, because nobody knows what's going on right now and how people are going to react. Yeah. Yeah. And be ready to pivot. If the rule is too strict and people are really complaining and you're finding that they don't want to come to the office, reevaluate the safety of that rule and maybe lighten up in certain areas. You know, I'm a firm believer that go out with a little bit more stricter Mm. types of rules, you know, to see people adhere to those and then decide if you think you can roll it back versus if you go off too loose with your rules, it's much harder to then get harder and harder and more, more, you know, uh, dictatorial about your your policies. It's just harder to get people to comply versus go out, make it as safe as you possibly can, even though it might be a little bit more restrictive because you can always loosen it up. And it's okay. much easier to go that direction. Kind of like I handle my kids, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is managing kids. Don't let me fool you. <laughs> right. no, there is nothing about imagining, imagining, you know, managing adults that isn't like managing children. Unfortunately, <laughs> being that I'm in the HR world, it's, uh, you have to go back to that mindset quite a bit. Clear, concise, guidelines, hold firm. That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the workplace. What about employees' personal lives? One thing that can really cause anxiety is when someone, let's say, looks on social media or hears a story that their coworker isn't taking precautions outside of the office. Is there anything that employers can do about that or no? You know, I think that, um, again, you can only do the best that you can do to help people say, look, if you're going to be coming into the workplace, we expect you to practice good protocols, not in the workplace. There's nothing that an employer can do to mandate what people do on their personal time, right? We don't have the authority to control what people do on their personal time. However, if there are infringements to an employee and they're posting, working at a bar and, you know, partying in a bar and being around all kinds of people and employees bring that to your attention, I think you can always have the conversation with this employee saying, hey, this is kind of putting the rest of us at risk. You know, would you please, you know, continue to be a little bit more due diligent in your personal life? But again, you can't, you can't do anything about that. Um, I think that all you can do is continue to manage your protocols on site and making sure that people uh, uh, adhere to those protocols. I think what's interesting though, and I've been out more in the public recently, I've gotten a little bit braver in the last couple of weeks since there's been some mandates for masks. What I am finding is that there's a lot more subtle peer pressure happening in the outside world. So for example, I walked into Mm -hmm. a Bed Bath & Beyond and a group of girls were in the back of it with all their masks off. And they were having this very loud conversation. All I had to do was turn the corner with my mask on and they all put it back on. All I had to do was look at them. Right. And so what I think is happening is because there is a lot more compliance with mask wearing in the public environment than there was even a month ago. Let's face it. I lived in Florida, huge spikes. Nobody was wearing PPE. Now I go out, they're wearing it everywhere. I do think there's starting to be this counter pressure 
that's happening as if it's just not socially acceptable to be irresponsible in a public environment. And that I do think will translate to the work environment even more so. So this peer pressure component, I think, will add in complementing the policies where people are just going to look at an employee who's just being irresponsible. And I just don't think it's going to be a very comfortable place to work, you know, in terms of how people are evolving and getting acclimated to kind of like the new normal with everybody wearing PPE. Well, clearly because of that type of behavior or just by nature of going to a grocery store, you could somehow pick up COVID and then an employee test positives. So... Mm be a tough spot. You know, you want to be compliant with HIPAA, you want to respect employees' privacy, but you also probably need and want to be transparent with other employees, especially if there's a risk of spread of infection. So how do you balance those two interests? Yeah, I mean, I think that once you are made aware of a case by an employee, we have an obligation to track whether or not that employee was at the work site. So first and foremost, the part of your opening plan should be to make sure you're asking the five to seven qualified questions that you can ask, make sure that you're using. I would recommend there's plenty of applications out there that employees go into the workplace every day. They're logging when they went in, they're logging when they left, they're logging the five answers to questions. Do I run a fever? Have I had a cough? You know, all the legal questions. Um, I think it's always better to notify people that we've been advised of an exposure in the workplace but in an abundance of caution, we're going to shut down for 14 days, basically cleanse the workplace, um, make sure that it's clean. Everybody work from home for 14 days. Um, and then that way, it's not really focusing on one person. It's focusing on, look, we want a safe work environment. We're not going to take any chances. I right. think the employers who are kind of taking a better, more holistic view, if you can. Now, granted, retail, retail sites and things yeah. like that aren't able to do that. Um, But I think that you do have to notify your workplace when you do find out there's been an exposure. Um, But again, it would have to be, did that employee come in during the time that they knew about the exposure? Were they actually on the work site? Now, if they were not on the work site, but they got exposed, that's when you have to really get some advice from legal counsel. Because if they really were always a remote employee, they just notified the employer that they got exposed they really haven't had any contact with anybody at work. There wouldn't be an requirement to notify people that there's been an exposure, right? So it's really only when you've been notified somebody has been tested positive and you know that they were actually in the work site. So you have to have both of those conditions before you then would notify the entire population who was in the building. And you would only notify the people who were in the building at the time of which the employee was in the building You wouldn't send out an entire email to every employee that said we've had an exposure. We would only notify those that we felt were within the exposure range and let them know that there's been an exposure. And probably most employers are trying to shut down for 14 days if they can, cleanse the work site, wait and make sure there's no other risk, and then reopen the work site again. So it's fairly straightforward. It's it's uh, share everything you can, don't name people in particular, and be targeted uh, in, in right. who you tell and what you tell. So that, right. that seems pretty common sense. Yeah. I think the thing that people aren't doing is a lot of times they're not setting up these trackers mm. um, or they're doing manual trackers. And then what happens is people get lazy on the manual trackers and they're not putting the data down in terms of their arrival times and their departure times. And so that's when it gets a little bit more challenging because then you really don't know who's in the office. Right. And then you're kind of forced to communicate to anybody in the company. So again, the more that you can automate this tracking, require the tracking, 
get approval to be on site, making sure you have that plan really detailed. And granted, automated phone applications are the best and the most successful. People are actually seeing, you know, people doing the, the right thing there. Um, plus, it's easier to audit, right? If you know yeah. someone was supposed to be in the website and they didn't, they didn't log their time. So I would highly encourage people to look at those applications. Okay, wonderful. Well, let's let's pivot just a little bit to kind of change up the topic. What are some of the things that you're seeing employers do to put employees first in all this to help with that anxiety just overall? Um, what are they doing for employees to make it more welcoming to come back to the office and just encourage people, even if they have to stay home? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, employers, first and foremost, most of them that, that they can be have been highly flexible. You've mentioned that a couple of times in our call here. Yeah. And I think the, the more that you continue to be flexible is the, the way to best treat your employees because everyone's dealing with this in a very different way. They're dealing with very different elements of change and in their personal environment. I think to make it more welcoming, obviously the plan makes a big difference. I think that managers um, continuing to have one-on-ones with employees is really critical. I know some employers kind of have this, oh, do a one-on-one, maybe maybe do it every two weeks, do it once a month. I find that the employers that are really having that manager touch point makes a big difference in terms of managing people's anxiety and comfort um, in terms of coming back to the workplace and in terms of just feeling good about their work. Um, the second thing employers are doing is they're trying to make sure the work is very clearly articulated to employees, where in the past we'd run a thousand miles an hour and there wasn't real clarity and you'd have a multiple, multiple things going on at one time. I think employers are getting really good at being, look, this is what I really need you to do this week. And they're breaking the work down into smaller chunks. So employees don't feel as overwhelmed. Um, the third thing people are doing is they're really working hard with employees to take time off. So even though you can't go anywhere, even though you can't schedule a vacation, employers are doing two things. One, they're making sure that people are taking the time off in a much more diligent fashion than in the past. The second thing companies are doing, and I'm seeing a lot of that in the last month or so, really um, coming up and taking more company holidays. Um, because when the whole company shuts down, it's easier for you, the employee, to shut down. I'm finding employers that are looking at taking maybe 10 to 12 additional holidays this year through the end of the year to get people out of the work environment. And then they're allowing people to roll over a higher amount of accrued vacation in a one-time effort. So they're not worried about whether or not people take all their time. They're more worried about getting people balanced between work and, and home life because people aren't taking time off, right? They're just not doing that. Um, another thing that I'm finding interesting is they're bringing in more employee assistant program um, to the workplace. So they're bringing in on-site counseling um, for people who might need more counseling times or providing here's times that a counselor is available. So instead of 1-800-employee assistance, they're actually bringing employee assistance to the employees. So if there is anxiety and there is concerns about coming back to work, they're arranging for, for them to be able to talk to these counselors on a regular basis so that it's not just HR's burden or it's not just the manager's burden, but they're actually being able to talk to counselors without having to go through a big process to get an appointment. Um, and I think they're also spending a lot of time training managers on what to look for. Mm-hmm. So are employees attending meetings on time or are they missing meetings? Has their appearance changed in any way? Um, What is their anxiety levels? 
um, companies are trying to take surveys of people more often to kind of see and get a pulse of what's happening. Um, but I think in terms of coming back to the workplace, which is what you were asking, I think they're doing everything they can to make it safe. They're doing everything they can to be flexible um, and allowing people to kind of ease back into this workplace environment that is going to look and feel very differently um, over time and not putting any significant pressure on people if, if they can based on their current work situation. Right. Nature of the business. No, those yeah. are fantastic recommendations. What about, uh, you, you made me think about people with like complex childcare situations that they have to deal with, schools not opening, virtual, that kind of stuff. What can an organization do to support employees that have those issues? Yeah. So I think that employers are looking at work as a seven day, a work week type of situation where you can work whenever you can work. Right. And so because of that, I think there's a lack of, there's people are struggling with boundaries. Um, And so I think that people are saying, look, do your work whenever you can do your work. If it's on Saturday, if it's on Sunday, if it's late at night, if it's early in the morning, you need to take a midday break. And employers are coming up with more notification policies. So, for example, employers are coming up with Slack protocols. Look, people are going to be on do not disturb at weird hours. It's not going to be do not disturb at nighttime, right? So, you know, you need to go on do not disturb on Slack or instant messaging to make sure people know that you're just not working or put out of office on your calendar when you're not going to be available. Um, Making sure that people understand that it isn't, you know, immediate response times like you would in a normal work environment right? Because somebody may not respond until Saturday. They may not respond until Sunday. And realizing and setting expectations internally that we're not on the same treadmill that we were on before, right? People are trying to balance all of that. Um, I think that's that's becoming something that's becoming more of a challenge, but I'm finding a lot more companies stepping up and creating kind of these boundaries and SLAs um, as they're creating this seven-day-a-week kind of 24-hour work time schedule for employees. Um, and, and people are responding well. I, I have had very few employers that are saying, I'm suffering during COVID and getting work done. It's mm. actually been astronomically rewarding to hear so many companies say, mm. we can't believe that we are actually as productive as we are. We would have never thought that having a remote workforce, like the entire remote workforce, yeah. be this productive. It's, it's actually a, from an HR world where I always felt measure performance, not presence. You know, I always had tough, challenging conversations with managers about why do they have to be in the workplace? If you you don't know what they're doing, then how can you measure their performance? Just because they're sitting at their desk doesn't mean they're performing. So from from my consulting practice, it's been really rewarding to watch employees deliver on what I knew they always could, which is if I believe in the company and I believe in the work, I will get the work done for you. I'm not going to let you down. So um, I think because employers have been flexible, we've actually seen the best of people. Um, more so than I think they they would have been able to see in the past had it not been for COVID. Well, uh, I want to wrap up by essentially talking about communication with employees because I know it's such an important part of just easing overall employee anxiety. So what's your opinion on something that we hear every once in a while? Do you think it's possible to over-communicate with your people? Is that, <laughs> do you need to hold back a little bit or is it okay to just share everything right now? Yeah, I... You know, I'm a firm believer you can never over-communicate and you only know when you've communicated enough when people say, okay, I got it already. I've heard it five times. Then you know you've communicated successfully. (laughs) Um, 
So I'm a firm believer that you should always communicate. I think what's important about communication is understanding that people hear different messages differently. And what we have to really Mm -hmm. think through is how and, and in what ways can we communicate even the same message through different mediums? Some people get it through text and text notifications. Some people get it through Slack. Some people love email. Some people love a video. Some people might hear it from a committee member on a COVID response team because they think that's a credible source versus the head of HR. You know, some people might hear it from the safety committees. They think the safety committees are, are better positioned. Some people will only listen to what the CEO says. So what you have to do is don't think about the same message, the same time, same place, same time. You have to think of variety. You have to think of different mediums. You have to think of different ways to create the same type of message in different formats so that people, so you will actually get to people, right? That's what's important, right? Is it, is you need to get to people and the more creative you can be, the, the, the higher opportunity you have in, in getting the message across. And just one footnote here, Peter, is that people shouldn't wait for the perfect answer. Mm-hmm. There is no perfect answer in COVID. There is no precedence for this, right? There is no roadmap that you're going to be able to go back to and say, how did they do? Well, maybe in 1918, how did they do it? But let's face it, in 1918 with the Spanish flu, they didn't have all these communication vehicles. Right. So, so really, there's no roadmap for where we are today. So I don't think there's anything you can do that's wrong except be silent. Right. When you don't acknowledge that there's anxiety, when you don't acknowledge as an employer that you don't know, um, that's when employees make up their own stories. And the grapevine, as we all know, is one of the most powerful sources of communication in an organization, whether it be true or it be false. Yep. That's one thing I always tell people that if, if you don't control the narrative, someone else will, especially in today's world with social media. So you got to get all over it. And my guess would be that there probably is no such thing as over communication in this. When people think to like, oh, we're like saturated at 130%. They're probably not, not even approaching two or three percent of where they should be on the communication right, scale. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I think it's because what we do is we tend to rely on one source, right? Who does get saturated, who does get tired of writing the emails. And so I would encourage organizations to really spread the responsibility. And, okay. and then that way it becomes a, a, a responsibility of all to communicate, not just the responsibility of a few. And sometimes employers right. get a little too specific about the message and running it by legal. And, you know, all of a sudden it's 45 days before the message that now is old news actually gets approved. So I think, you know, those are things that companies need to cut that red tape and, and get information out to people. Yeah. Better to control the narrative and just get ahead of it and over communicate and let people know we don't know. And, and we don't we'll figure know. it out as we go along. We may have been wrong. We'll course correct. We're open. We're being flexible, all that stuff. Yep. Absolutely. And admitting that you were wrong is okay too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people make mistakes. There's no right way to manage this right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No if, right if anybody way. out there knows, let us know. Let us we'll know sign you up for the next podcast. I'll be the first to, to sign up for that manual. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, excellent. Well, thank you, Pam. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate all the perspectives you bring to the table here. They're really great about just easing in employee anxiety in general. And if anyone listening has follow-up questions or just wants to connect with you, what is the best way for them to find you out there? So you can quickly email me. It's Pam at hrequityinc.com. So feel free to just email me directly, or you can go to our website, hrequityinc.com. Check out our website, click on contact and send us a quick email. We're there to help you if you need it. All right. Wonderful. Well, Pam, thanks again for taking the time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And to the rest of you, remember... 
nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.